Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be considered as a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Adam Childers, here with the podcast known as Briefly Legal. I'm here in the uh, crow's nest as ever, and and I'm real. I'm really excited today. I'm just I'm just going to say it right out of the gate. Today we're concluding a trilogy. I love trilogies. You know, when you think about trilogies, you know what what comes to mind? Is it Ali Frazier? Is it uh, Pacquiao Marquez? Is it Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran? I I submit to you, it may be Adam Childers and Tim Sawecki. Um, that's because uh, in episode twelve of uh, the early fledgling days of uh, Briefly Legal, uh, Tim arrived on the scene to tell us about Forever Chemicals. And then episode 38, which wasn't that long ago, uh, gave us some uh, updates on on all things Forever Chemicals. But now in this, our episode 42, we bring the trilogy to its stunning conclusion. And Tim and I get to talk about some really big developments that had took place earlier this month. So, so say hello to everyone, uh, Tim, and, and, and congrats on making it to this. The third round of our trilogy. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Adam. Uh, I, I hope it is the the conclusion of a trilogy, but uh, that remains to be seen. There's a lot going on with with these forever. You know chemicals. what? You may be right. This may be like Star Wars. It started out as a trilogy. When it's done, it's about uh, you know a hundred hundred movies. So. Yeah, this is like a Marvel. It's just going to keep going and going and going. Exactly. exactly. Much like the chemicals yeah, forever. There you go. Wait, wait, wait to wrap it together. There, I, I enjoy that. So it, it, it's becoming such a hot. Uh, issue, and I, sh- I should just say right off the the bat to our uh, to our listeners that w- we now have a, a web page address dedicated to some of these uh, these topics. It's uh, you can find it at uh, www.crowdunlevy.com backslash PFAS regulation and litigation. If you're wondering what is PFAS, well then uh, buckle up. You're about to learn uh, more than you ever knew about it because we're going to talk about uh, again, um, uh, you know what's been going on in the world of forever chemicals. So let's um, let's jump right into it. You know, Tim's the, the perfect person to talk about it. Of course, he's a senior associate in uh, our energy, environment and natural resources practice group. And so when producer Tyler goes looking for somebody to talk about things that are uh, at a high, high level, then uh, he says it's time to call in Tim. And I completely agree. So let's get to it. I know from having uh, read uh, one of your recent pieces that, uh, you know, that there is some big stuff that happened, I think, on September 6th. So let's, let's, before we even just talk about what these forever chemicals are and remind folks, let's, let's first talk about what's, what's the big news. Yes. Uh, EPA, they've, they've done it again. Um, so on September 6th, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, published a notice for a proposed federal rule to designate two specific forever chemicals, PFOA and PFOS, as hazardous substances under the Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation, and Liability Act, CERCLA, also known as Superfund. Um, Now parties have 60 days to submit comments on that proposed rule, and EPA will take those comments under consideration for development of a final 
rule expected in late 2023. Now, now this is something you've been forecasting for us. You said this was coming down the the pike, but but, but let's remind folks here, this is as good a place as any. We keep throwing those terms around and and our our most uh, loyal of listeners will will already know, but let's remind everyone, what is, uh, you know, what what are you referring to when you say PFAS and, and PFOA? Okay, so we're going to use acronyms here because that's just the easiest way to to remember what we're talking about and distinguish what we're talking about because they all start with P and they all sound quite similar. PFOA and PFOS are specific forms of a broad class of man-made chemicals known as per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances. These chemicals are characterized by a carbon chain composed of carbon atoms that then are attached to fluorine atoms. And the result of this type of compound is a very strong, durable chemical substance that can be used in numerous um, industrial and commercial applications. Really PFAS, as they're known, PFAS, the broad class of of compounds, they really are known for their durability, their heat resistance, their waterproof qualities, and were developed for these industrial and commercial applications going back to the 1940s. However, um, more recent studies are starting to show um, that these types of compounds are persistent in the environment. Um, They have been known to bioaccumulate in humans and animals, and in some cases, they have toxic effects on humans and animals, Um, persistent, bioaccumulative, and toxic. And therefore, EPA, um, really going back to an action plan it developed under the Trump administration in 2016, has made this a a high um, priority, a high agenda item for developing regulations um, related to various PFAS. Yeah, I think you've I've, you've previously talked about it in terms of like a roadmap. I mean, they've really at Correct. each step said, "Here's what we're going to do in terms of trying to identify how much it takes to become toxic, how how we're going to regulate." But that's why this is such a big deal. Is that now they've stepped to the point of saying. He, here's here's what's going to happen, right? Yeah, we we told you is essentially what they've been saying. We've been telling you, and and here you go. Um, really, again, unprecedented in the in the annals of of environmental history, um, is EPA being so transparent about where the direction they intend to go with it, with a contaminant such as PFAS and a schedule for regulating it. Um, Adam, you mentioned specifically in October of 2021, EPA issued something called their Strategic PFAS Roadmap. And in this PFAS Roadmap, they outlined a schedule of potential PFAS related regulations that will be coming, that will be promulgated through 2024. Um, And in our previous episode, we talked about one of these timelines, and that's um, these same substances, PFOA and PFOS, as they relate to drinking water. And in that roadmap, EPA said, we are going to update health advisory levels related to these two specific PFAS. And that is the path we're taking to eventually regulate these two substances under the Safe Drinking Water Act. And so in June of, of this past summer, in June of 2022, they they 
executed on that um, on that promise in the roadmap. In this same roadmap, they indicated that they are going to designate these two PFAS substances, PFOA and PFOS, as hazardous substances under CERCLA or Superfund. And they intended to issue a proposed rule in fall of 2022 with a final rule happening in late 2023. And so here, here we, we are. are. Yeah, yeah. Right, right on schedule. So what what are some of the standards that are, that are being put in place with this, uh, at least proposed rule at this point? Yeah. So, so what is CERCLA? What is Superfund? What, what will be the impacts of this proposed rule once it becomes final? And I want to be very clear. It's a proposed rule. It's subject to notice and comment right now under our Administrative Procedures Act. And those comments will be refined into a final rule. But what will be the effects of an eventual final rule? Well, CERCLA, in a, in a painfully brief nutshell, ha- carries two functions. One, it will provide uh, an avenue where um, if a entity, a facility releases PFOA or PFOS in the amount of one pound in a 24-hour period, that facility, the owners of that facility must report um, that release to local, state, tribal entities immediately under the Emergency Planning and Community Right to Know Act. One pound, 24 hours. That sounds like a pretty low barrier. Fairly low barrier. I will say that we are dealing with a substance that exists in in parts per quadrillion. So it's a very um, minute, it is a substance that one pound of it would be extremely um, significant um, in this context. But that isn't to be utterly dismissive of it. Um, When we're transporting or using these substances, it is very much possible that one pound could be released in a 24-hour period. And so that would need to be reported. And then the release would need to be immediately addressed as in containment, remediation, et cetera. And then speaking of remediation, I understand that there's also some parts of the uh, of this that, that deal with remediation and cost recovery exactly. mechanisms. Is that right? Exactly. So the, the second broad function of, of CERCLA or Superfund um, allows uh, remediation and, and basically a cost recovery mechanism that allows the government in the form of EPA or private parties um, to bring litigation to recover costs associated with the cleanup of these designated hazardous substances. Um, Liability under CERCLA attaches when there is a hazardous substance at the location, there is an actual or potential danger of releasing the hazardous substance into the environment, and cleanup costs will um, or already have been incurred. And, and there's, a, there's a couple intimidating aspects to CERCLA as well. Um, it's a strict liability statute. So if you bring litigation under it, there's no requirement that fault is mm-hmm. found. Um, furthermore, the liability under this, this statute, under potential litigation brought under CERCLA, is joint and several meaning any potentially responsible party, and that's, that's an actual term, a PRP, could be held accountable for uh, the entire cost of cleaning up a contaminated site, even if other entities were also responsible. And so PRPs include present owners and operators, past owners and operators, if the hazardous substance disposal occurred during their tenure of the property, 
any entity that generated the hazardous substances that ended up at the site and certain transporters of those hazardous substances. So CERCLA is very broad in time and space. It has a a very long reach on potentially responsible parties and the ability to recover cleanup costs associated with these hazardous substances. And I'm guessing this isn't the end of the story, right? I mean, there's, it's probably just the beginning in terms of other regulations at state level? I mean, is that coming our way? Correct. We're seeing a a number of regulations already, uh, legislation and regulations at the state level um, related to to PFAS substances in general, and and more specifically, these two cross-haired PFAS, PFOA and PFOS. Um, At least 22 states as of, of last week have put forth some law um, that is related to prohibiting the use of, of various PFAS substances um, in consumer goods um, and also extending even to um, other industrial applications. Um, think, for instance, um, in Colorado, um, they are prohibiting the intentional addition of PFAS into hydraulic fracturing fluid. Ah, okay. So really broad implications. Again, these PFAS through time and through science are, are quite useful. They have a high utility and have been used in, in countless applications. Think of the, the wax wrappers that you use to, to, for your bubble gum or for your fast food wrappers. Um, think of the waterproof uh, conditioning on your, your favorite rain jacket. Um, or, or fly fishing gear, um, just a, a lot of things that, that we as consumers in the modern age have come to appreciate. Um, but lo and behold, that these are persistent in the environment and potentially toxic um, to humans and animals. So the states are, are taking heed. They're moving forward. Um, and now we, we are seeing considerable action at the federal level. So just to marry a couple of our past episodes together, I, I remember the, the West Virginia uh, U.S. Supreme Court case um, really put some question marks about around administrative action like this and, and whether you know it, it will stand the, the test of time. So you got the EPA, as you said, calling their shot, and they've been working on this since 2016. What are the chances that this faces similar action and, and, and does it exceed the scope? Maybe it's too early to say. But what, what do you think about that? I'm glad you asked that, Adam. Um, there is a lot to this story right now. Um, one component, as you mentioned in the in the recent uh, Supreme Court opinion that that came out earlier this summer, um, West Virginia v. EPA, um, the, the Supreme Court is developing something called the Major Questions Doctrine. Um, which uh, it limits uh, the delegation of administrative agency authority where um, essentially major economic um, implications are being raised um, in, the, in the potential rule or regulation. Here, um, in the context of issuing the, this rule, actually going back to January of 2022, um, the White House Office of Management and Budget, which has the task of evaluating cost impacts for proposed regulations, um, was, was looking at this potential uh, CERCLA um, rule. And at that time, um, many stakeholders in the community, um, especially on the industrial side, were 
we're making, we're submitting letters to the Office of Management Budget stating that this this proposed regulation, the the CERCLA designation of these two two forever chemicals as hazardous substances, will have significant costs on the regulated community uh, in excess of a hundred million dollars. EPA, on the other hand, has been. Uh, pushing back on that and trying to minimize that, look, designating these two substances as forever chemicals has a real minimal cost to it. Um, The cost to assess whether a release has happened on your property and simply to report it um, to determine if if it's present in your soil is, is not that much, is what they are saying. So when they issued this proposed rule, they made similar comments in that regard. However, prior to even issuing this rule, going back to really just a month ago, the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, was receptive to those comments from the regulated community and said, this is a major rule. It has significant impacts. And we expect the EPA, before a final rule is issued here, to conduct what's called a regulatory impact analysis, Mm -hmm. an RIA um, that assesses these economic impacts. And so EPA in this proposed rule is inviting comments along those lines. How much is this going to cost the regulated community? But you can already see the posturing in relation oh, yeah. to this major questions doctrine that is emerging from the Supreme Court, where we're going to have a real test of, you know, what are the permissible bounds of administrative agencies under their delegated authority to promulgate rules and regulations that that may have significant economic impacts and and stay tuned. I mean, this is yeah. really going to be a dogfight because it, it it does have the potential. These cleanups under CERCLA take decades and they take tens of millions of dollars and they can be quite expensive. And then we've got this sub these substances, PFOA and PFOS, that are quite ubiquitous in the environment. They've been entering the various environmental media, soil and water for decades. And so they are present in in trace amounts and then in more significant amounts. And so if we have this substance that is truly widespread in the environmental media, and we have now a mechanism to clean that up, it could have quite significant costs and impacts on on large um, industrial players, on small businesses and industrial players. But again, I don't want to be dismissive. This is all for the protection and remediation of our environment, which I think we can all agree on is is for the the public trust and the public good. Oh, as always, there's that tension there as you you, you attempt to regulate, but not overregulate, uh, and then uh, everybody's got uh, uh, you know a dog in that fight. Uh, I am gonna go out on a limb and say, yeah, that that we will go past a trilogy on this one when <laughs> when it's all said and done. Now, speaking of which, I want to close things out. Uh, you know, you've been a regular our guest here, so we'll want to do something a little bit different here. But all this talk about trilogies has got me thinking um, that that I want to I want to test you out. You're 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 like me. You're you're a Renaissance man. You, you enjoy your uh, your music, your movies, your your, your uh, uh, you know literature. But I want to I want to ask you uh, what's 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 the best movie trilogy out there? What would you go with? A lot to choose oh, from. Adam, my 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 brain. 
quickly jumps to the the infamous "Thou shall not pass." Ah, I think we're in Gandalf the Lord the we're in the Lord of the Rings world. Um, for me, it, it seems you know that was a, an impressionable reading <laughs> trilogy when I was in high school, and and uh, the movies were just the kind that you'd never wanted to end. And and so I'm I'm gonna say L O T R loud uh, for the best trilogy. I love it. I love it. Now, I, when did you first read the the books? Gosh, I think uh, Entree into the Hobbit was probably fifth grade, yep. and then uh, several years later, engaged in the trilogy. Interesting. Itself. So I did uh, I did L two R at uh, in the fifth grade, and then found Hobbit later. So I was I was backwards. Although that's I think how he actually wrote them uh, uh, when I think back on it. Okay, now now my, my I'm really geeking out. So um, since you've stolen probably what would have been at the top of my <laughs> list, I will at least give you a counterpoint. I'll say. Uh, the Godfather trilogy. Oh, gosh. Uh, now, yeah. I know that the third pales in comparison to the first two, but for just pure, great storytelling and some of the finest actors of that age, you can't go wrong with uh, The Godfather. Although, I showed it to my uh, 21-year-old daughter, and she uh, she yawned a bit, didn't, didn't, didn't think that the first one really cut it. So maybe it's maybe it's a little bit for us older folks. The, the, the arcs of these stories are too long for, for, for the younger generation they need they need punch they need quick i think so she she really looked scared when i told her hey guess what we're gonna do we're gonna watch the one where they put all three of them together in chronological order <laughs> it's only about nine hours out of your day so don't worry we'll have a great time so uh but that's uh yeah you're right i don't i don't think i'll capture her attention that long well as for our trilogy uh today uh, i i really enjoyed getting to to revisit what we've been laying the groundwork for and uh, appreciative as i know our our, our clients and the business community are that you're out there, like I say, uh, watching the developments and, and helping our clients prepare for them. And, and as I mentioned, that that uh, uh, that landing address that we have for all things PFAS regulation can be found there on our uh, website. It's going to be a, a nice resource. And obviously, uh, you know, Tim's a, a great guy to call if you have questions uh, w- when it comes to that. So we'll we'll put a, a, a close to today's show and and this trilogy. But um, I do want to. Uh, ask everyone to remember to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And listen, if you like what you're hearing, and, and I, I know you do, why don't you just go ahead and give us a rating uh, and follow us while you're at it. Uh, does a lot for uh, uh, my ego, uh, producer Tyler. He, he, he you know, he, nothing, nothing phases him. But, you know, at night, I want to know that you're out there liking everything that we're doing. So, and also don't forget to send your ideas for future topics that you might want us to cover. You can do that at Briefly Legal at Crow Dunlap. Listen, you might just hear about one of those topics on a future episode. So until the next time, uh, I just want to say stay healthy out there, friends. And we look forward to the next time that we spend time with you here on Briefly Legal.